Welcome and thank you so very much for joining us on today's segment of Making a Difference Through Mentorship. For those of you that are joining us for the very first time, I want to share briefly that these podcasts are further established in the mindset of Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9, where God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. It doesn't mean that we don't ever think like God thinks. It doesn't mean that our ways aren't ever like God's ways. But the intent of these podcasts is to share biblical principles and precepts to help us to learn to continue to think more like God thinks. The theme of today's podcast is life in the middle, the balance of the natural and the spiritual. It has often been said that we are spiritual beings having a human encounter. The Apostle Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 15 and 46, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterwards the spiritual. Our primary or foundational passage for today's podcast is in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 10 in the Passion Translation of the Bible, and it reads, those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves, but those who live by the impulses, directions of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. Verse 6, for the mindset of the flesh is death. Flesh is another word for desires or actually can be translated as lust. For the mindset of the flesh uh, or lust or sinful desires is death, but the mindset controlled by the spirit finds life and peace. Verse 7, in fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights against God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot submit. Verse 8, for no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh, the lust of the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, or our sinful desires. No matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled in this manner. Verse 9, but when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And if you're not joined to the Spirit of the Anointed One, you are not of Him. Verse 10, now Christ lives his life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. Jesus further says concerning this idea in John 14 and 16, the Amplified Version, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, a comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, the one that stands by you to be with you forever. This is what it means to live a spirit-empowered life. We have a, another helper in the person of the Holy Spirit. We have another comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, and one that stands by us forever. In John 16, verses 13 and 14, in the Amplified Version, Jesus says, but when he the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes. He will guide you into all truth, full and complete truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but he will speak whatever he hears from the father, the message regarding the son. 
and he will disclose to you what is to come in the future. Verse 14, he will glorify and honor me, Jesus says, because he, the Holy Spirit, will take from what is mine and will disclose it to you. In other words, everything that Jesus came into the earth to impart into us, the Holy Spirit picks up the mantle and carries on with the mission and mandate of the Father. The common English Bible version of 1 Corinthians 14 and 40 teaches us that everything should be done with dignity and in proper order. Paul further says in verses 33, in verse 33 of this 14th chapter, God is not the author of confusion. Where there is chaos and confusion, God is not there. Where there is stress, struggle, and strain, God is not there. Living life in this present day and age is full of stress, struggle, and strain naturally for all of us. Yet with Jesus as Lord of our lives, spiritually, <clears throat> he provides balance to our lives and the world in which we live for those that make him Lord of our lives. There's no question that the world in which we live is out of balance. The war in Ukraine ongoing and people dying needlessly. Political infighting between Republicans and Democrats in our nation's capital. Over 140 mass shootings and five mass murders, according to BusinessStandard.com in 2022 so far. According to the U.S. State Department, 15,000 uh, to 50,000 women and girls are victims of human and sex trafficking or modern day slavery each year in the United States. The New Living Translation of 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 reveals the imbalance in the lives of many. This passage teaches us that Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. When Jesus is not Lord of a man or woman's life, their minds have been blinded to Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life as noted in John 14 and 6. Although many people think that they are living, they are simply existing without the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Without the saving grace of Jesus Christ is Noted in Ephesians 2 and 8 in the Amplified Bible, for it is by God's grace, his unmerited favor, that you are saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own abilities or striving, but it is the gift of God. Without God's grace, humanity becomes subject to the reality of Judges 17 and 6 which declares every man did what was right in their own eyes. This is Paul's point in our primary passage for today's podcast in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. In the Passion Translation, Paul says, Those who are motivated by the flesh are sinful desires, only pursue what benefits themselves, whether it's power, prestige, notoriety, Fame. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. Verse 6, but those who live by the impulses, the leading of the Holy Spirit, are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. The King James Version translates verse 6 of Romans chapter 5 as to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To have a worldly, carnal, fleshly mind, it, it influences our thoughts. This means that a person's life is controlled by their own sinful desires 
an unspiritual person. The carnal or natural mind is out of balance with the ways of the Lord. And it is important to know that you cannot balance what is out of order. So every man whose life, every woman whose life is out of balance, they do what is right in their own eyes because their life, their mind is out of balance. This is why Paul says in the Amplified Version of Romans 12 and 2, do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs and traditions, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you, because God knows the plans that he has for you and for me. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, the apostle Paul describes the nature of people in the last days. In his description, he warns of people who are characterized or known as having a form of godliness, but denying its power in verse five, and then issues this command, have nothing to do with such people. There are people whose lives that are out of balance and you cannot balance what is out of order. And people are like elevators. They will either take you up or they will take you down. So Paul said, have nothing to do with people that have a form of godliness, or in other words, whose life is out of balance. What this means is that a person outwardly by their actions, they come to church, they sing in the choir, they serve in an auxiliary. What this means by their actions, they profess or talk about the Lord, but inwardly there's a void in their life of his power because they have not believed or surrendered themselves to Jesus' command to a young lawyer who asked Jesus the question, well, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart. That word all is the inclusion of everything to the exclusion of nothing. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, the way that you think. Love God with our thoughts. Proverbs 11 and 1 teaches us a false balance. See, a person that does not love the Lord thy God, our God, with all our heart, soul, and mind, their life is out of balance. Proverbs 11 and 1 teaches us a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. A false balance in the Hebrew is literally translated as balances of deceit. The strategy of the devil has always been to deceive us just as he deceived Adam and Eve in the garden, where their lives from the beginning were in perfect balance because they were in a perfect relationship with God, having dominion over not some things, but everything. And then the devil came in and deceived Eve, but Adam was responsible to maintain the balance of their lives. So he too was deceived. When a person is deceived, they have been made or influenced to believe something that is not true. Proverbs 16, 11 and 11 further declares a just weight, a righteous weight. A just weight and balance are the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are his work. The Lord has set the standard of what is just and righteous. This, The context of this passage is as a business person has a set of scales. And in order not to cheat somebody, the weights have to be balanced. 
So the Lord has set the standard of what is just and righteous. It is justice and righteousness that provides the balance in our lives. And what we do in life and ministry is judged by the Lord's standards of justice and righteousness. The common English version of Proverbs 16 and 11 declares, the Lord watches to see if we are fair or if we cheat others. What this passage may also suggest is that if our lives are out of balance and don't maintain justice and righteousness in our lives, it is possible that we can cheat ourselves. Paul says to Titus in the International Standard Version, the second chapter and the seventh verse, always set an example for others by doing good actions. Teach with integrity and dignity. To always set an example is God's desire for us as we live life in the middle, balancing the natural and the spiritual. We are spiritual beings having a human encounter. I went to see my doctor the other day and she was examining my ears. She pulled so much earwax out of my ear that it looked like it was the size of a small rock. And when she removed the earwax, I was imbalanced. I had no expectation of what had just happened. The room for several minutes was rocking like a boat at sea. I couldn't walk from the examination table back to my chair without help because naturally I was imbalanced and needed to regain my balance before I left her office. Being double-minded is a sign of an imbalanced life. James 1 and 8 tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And we know that there is neither male nor female. So a double-minded woman is also unstable in all of her ways. But what does it really mean to be double-minded? The Bible is filled with many examples of those that were double-minded or imbalanced. Adam and Eve eating of the forbidden fruit. Abraham lying about Sarah being his sister and later sleeping with Hagar. David lusting for Bathsheba, then killing her husband Uriah. Jonah traveling in the opposite direction of Nineveh. Peter denying Christ even after being warned by Jesus himself. All examples of double-mindedness or an imbalance in their lives. Philippians 2 and 5 in the common English version of the Bible, we are instructed to think the same way that Jesus Christ thought. Jesus was altogether God and he was altogether a man. Jesus, as the God-man, lived life in the middle of the natural and the spiritual. He got hungry. He got tired. He got thirsty. These are all natural experiences of our human existence. And yet, because he was God, his focus was always on the spiritual. Spiritual is that which is born or governed by the Spirit. As we know in Romans 8 and 14, they that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. In verse 16 of Romans 8, Paul says the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit, our human spirit, that we are the children of God. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Verse 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Verse 19 of Romans chapter 8 in the common English Bible declares, the whole creation waits breathless with anticipation for the revelation of God's sons and daughters. 
In other words, people on your job, people in your family, in the grocery store, at the mall are waiting for the revealing of you and I as God's sons and daughters, those who have learned to live life in the middle, balancing the natural and the spiritual. The Amplified Version of 1 Corinthians 15, beginning at the 46th verse, teaches us, it is not the spiritual life which came first, but the physical and then the spiritual. Verse 47, the first man was from out of the earth, made of dust, earthly minded. The second man, the God man, is the Lord from out of heaven. Verse 48, now those who are made of the dust out of the earth are like him who was first made of the dust, earthly minded. And as is the man, God, the God man, Jesus from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven, heavenly minded. Verse 49, and just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so shall we and so let us also bear the image of the God man of heaven, Jesus the Christ. Born of the image of the man of dust, Adam, and the image of the man, the God-man, Jesus of heaven, tells us this is life in the middle. This is life in the middle for you and I. As believers, we are to bear the image where the Bible says we are to be the very express image of God in the earth, representing him in the likeness and image of his character. As believers, we are to bear the image and the mind of Christ as noted in 1 Corinthians 2 and 16. Our love, affection, and devotion are to be for our Lord first and foremost, bearing his image and likeness, possessing and constantly pursuing the mindset of Christ-centered and balanced in our beliefs, thoughts, and actions in him and not in the image of the man born of the dust, our earthly nature, our earthly selves, but rather our heavenly nature, the image that we are to bear of Christ, the God-man. This is why Paul further equips us in 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, casting down imaginations. The largest nation in the world is not India, it's not China. It is our imagination Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Jesus says five times or six times in Matthew chapter six, I believe it is, take no thought. In other words, we don't have to take the thought of the devil that that, that comes our way. We may not be able to Think or we may not be able to change our thoughts or stop negative thoughts from coming onto the battlefield of our minds, but we don't have to take the thought. So take no thought saying, but bring it into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The voice translation of 2 Corinthians 10 and 5 teaches us we are capable, we are demolishing arguments and ideas and every high and mighty philosophy. Philosophy simply means another way of thinking that pits itself against the knowledge of the one true God. We are taking prisoners of every thought, every emotion, and subduing them because God gave us dominion in the garden, and we are not to be dominated by our thoughts or our emotions. So we are taking prisoner of every thought, every emotion, and subduing them into obedience to the anointed one because we've got more power than the devil. 
Our primary passage for today's podcast uh, in the Passion Translation of Romans 8, 6, and 7 tells us, For the mindset of the flesh, the word flesh in the original Greek is sarks. It is death. It means the fleshly desires. It means our sinful desires. But the mindset controlled by the spirit finds life and peace. The prophet Isaiah said in the 26th chapter in the third verse, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse seven of Romans eight. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh, our sinful desires, fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot submit because it is born of double mindedness. Double-mindedness is a strategy and a tool of deception of the devil to cause the imbalance of the natural and the spiritual in our lives. The devil wants to distort the filter of our minds. In all of our homes, in our heating and air conditioning units, there are filters that need to be changed every three to six months. The filters are designed to help block dust and particles from collecting in your heating and air conditioning unit. Approximately every five to 6,000 miles, our cars... When they change the oil, they change the oil filter that captures harmful debris, dirt, and metal fragments from your motor oil to keep your car's engine running smoothly. Without the oil filter, particles can get into your motor oil, damaging the engine and possibly cause you to blow out the engine, costing thousands of dollars worth of repair. Science proves for us that we have anywhere from 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day and half of them are negative. And we need the filter of God's word and promises to protect our minds from the imbalance, the, the mindset that is focused on the flesh that fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction. In 1 Peter 1 and 18, Peter instructs the church to prepare your minds for action and being sober-minded, the word sober also means balance. And being sober-minded, balance in your mind, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In the English Standard Version of 1 Peter 5 and 8, the apostle encouraged us to be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. To be sober-minded in this passage is translated as a sound and self-controlled mind, stable and solid in stable and solid in behavior, controlled by controlled in all things. The believer has to be sober and alert, watching for the attacks and the assaults and the strategies of the devil. If as believers we are not sober-minded and we're out of balance or imbalance in our thinking, that influences what we say and how we respond to life's matters, we will not be able to conquer the attacks and the temptations of our adversary that prowls around us like a roaring lion looking to devour us. The word adversary carries a meaning of a legal opponent, such as an opponent in a lawsuit. It also means a common day-to-day -day opponent, like a neighbor who opposes and stands as an enemy against us. The imagery is the picture of Satan standing as our adversary in the court of God and accusing us before God. It is a picture of the devil standing here on earth, standing against us and doing all he can to trip, trip us up, to defeat and destroy us. But you got to know, child of God, that the devil is defeated 
and God is exalted in the life of the believing believer. The Apostle John in Revelation chapter 12, beginning at the 10th verse, declares, And I heard seven times in the New Testament, the Bible says, He that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. John said, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, God is always talking. The question remains, do we have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying? In this day and age, we're listening to a lot of things. We're listening to the news media. We're listening to the opinions of entertainers, sports figures, relatives, and friends. But the question is, do you and I have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying? Your ability, my ability to hear from God is the means and the method that God has provided by the Holy Spirit for us to live Life in the middle, balance between the natural and the spiritual. The Passion Translation of John 16 and 13 declares, When the truth-giving spirit comes, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. The reality of every truth within you? How do we know that? Because the spirit of truth has come, and he has come. Joel 2 and 28 says, In the last days, I'm pouring out my spirit, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. The Holy Spirit has come because God has poured out his spirit on all flesh and he abides in you and in me. Jesus declares in Luke 4 and 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Child of God, you got to know that the spirit of the Lord is upon you. He has anointed you to preach the gospel, to open up blinded eyes, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, to set the captives free. In the English Standard Version, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at the 19th verse says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Verse 20 for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. We glorify God in our bodies when we have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church and we act upon what the Lord has given us to do. John said in Revelation 12 and 10, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation. And that word salvation Biblically, it certainly means to be restored to a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, but it also means to rescue and to escape. In other words, Jesus has come to save us, to rescue us, to help us to escape the trappings, the plots, the ploys, and the plans of the enemy to destroy God's plan and purpose for our lives. Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Glory to God, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. Verse 11, and they overcame him, who? The accuser of the brethren, Satan, the devil, the serpent, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. The devil is relentless in his accusations. He accuses us before God incessantly and continually. He hates God and all that God is, which means he also hates the fact of Lamentations 3, beginning at the 22nd verse concerning you and me. It is of the Lord's mercies 
that we are not consumed because his compassions, hallelujah, they fail not. Verse 23, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The devil, our adversary, the accuser stands before God day and night in an attempt to somehow lessen God's love or diminish God's mercy for you and I. The devil is not very smart, but he is consistent in his strategy because David says in the 23rd Psalm, goodness and mercy have followed me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In other words, he that abides in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him shall I trust. Child of God, wherever we go, we're covered by his grace. We're covered by his faith. We're governed by his goodness and mercy that have followed us all the days of our lives. There was nothing that we ever did to make God love us. And there is nothing that we can ever do to make God not love us. Why then would the devil accuse and charge us before God day and night? Why would he remind God time and time again of our sins? It's to hurt God. To cut the heart of God. He is the devil, the one who stands opposed to God and all that God stands for and loves. And that is you and me. So now John the Revelator declares, now is come salvation, rescue and escape and strength and the kingdom of our God. Oh my God. And the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down. Cast down where? To the earth. But we got more power than the devil. The result of God's salvation is glorious. Satan will be barred from heaven. He will no longer be able to accuse believers before God. The Bible teaches us that the devil, our adversary and accuser, takes the sins of us as believers. See, it doesn't mean that we are sinless once we get saved. We just sin less because we don't desire to sin. We don't go to the nightclubs. We're not engaged in fornication or adultery anymore. We're not engaged in the drinking and the drug and the alcohol abuse of our bodies because our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So as believing believers, we we simply, we're not sinners. We simply sin less because we've been saved and we got the power of God. And that's why we need his grace and his, oh, glory to God. That's why we need his grace and his mercy in our lives. So God, once we get saved, Jesus doesn't see our sins. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sins? What can make us whole again? It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. So when the devil throws up our sins into God's face, he points out our failures as believers. Why is this? It is his effort to hurt and cut the heart of God. God gave his son to die for the sins of you and me. Therefore, every time a believer sins, the devil reminds God as the accuser of the brethren that the death of his son was wasted and useless. It was not worth the price if believers are going to trample on the blood of Jesus Christ. The devil reminds God that the believer's love for Christ and God is hypocritical and shameful. The devil reminds God as the accuser of the brethren that the believers could care less about God and Christ. He does that as believers, we do not care enough to obey God. If we did, the believer would not sin. The devil is the accuser of us as the brethren. The devil reminds God that the believer is not worth all the pain and hurt. 
that God should just go ahead and wipe out the human race. Hallelujah. But God in his great grace and mercy, he declared, I'm not going to do it. That's what he said to Noah. Once he washed away through the great flood, he said, I'm not going to do this again. Therefore, we proclaim in 1 Peter, we proclaim 1 Peter 3 and 15 in the common English version of the Bible. Honor Jesus Christ and let him be the Lord of your life. Always be ready to give an answer when somebody asks you about your hope. Oh, you and I have got a story to tell because the day that he saved us, sanctified us, equipped us, qualified us, set us aside. He made us vessels of honor because we are vessels in a great house. And when he looked upon us, when we accepted Jesus Christ, he took our sins and cast them into the sea to remember them no more. It's, this doesn't mean that God has amnesia, but it simply means that God chooses not to remember our sins because he remembers, glory to God, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on Golgotha's hill. And by his stripes, you and I are healed. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we were healed healed from our sin healed from our transgressions healed from our iniquities and it was all because of his love when nothing else could help when our friends or our families drugs or alcohol our own plans when nothing else could help, it was love that lifted me. <clears throat> it was love that lifted you. So peace, 1 Peter 3 and 14 reminds us, but even if you suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. Let me say that again. Peter says, but even if you suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. Now, Peter's got a testimony because Peter is the one that denied the Lord three times and Jesus told him, that he was going to do it. So Peter suffered some things mentally and emotionally, but Jesus forgave Peter of his, of his sins. And he said, Peter, when you have been converted, strengthen your brethren. So even when you and I suffer for the sake of righteousness, we are blessed. The word suffer in this passage means to experience or feel pain, living life in the middle Balancing the natural and spiritual means that there are times in our lives when we will experience the reality of pain, whether it's emotional, physical, or any other form of pain. We're not exempt from the reality of our human experience. When our mothers or our fathers, sisters or brothers, when they die, we experience an emotional, we experience emotional trauma. We experience pain of the loss of our loved ones, but we know they're not lost. If they've been saved, they're in heaven, but it still does not lessen the pain that we sometimes feel when we think about a loved one that's no longer with us. But the Lord says, even if you suffer for what's right, you are blessed for blessed are they for blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. You may experience any type of pain, 
But God is the comforter in the person of the Holy Spirit. And in this passage, 1 Peter 3 and 14, this word blessed means to cause to prosper, to make happy, to bestow blessings on. The message Bible version of 1 Peter 3 and 15 expands a little more on this thought. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are and always with the utmost courtesy. Keep a clear conscience the way that you think before God so that when people throw mud at you, none of it will stick. They'll end up realizing that they're the ones who need a bath. <laughs> when people treat you badly, disrespectfully, or discard you, let your thinking be clear, your conscience, your attitude be clear. Think like God thinks, knowing who you are because of the hope that lies in you. Knowing that even if you suffer because of what people have said or done, you're still blessed. And nobody can take the blessings of God away from you because God is the one that gave his blessings to you. The Amplified Bible of Micah 6 and 8 further teaches us to live life in the middle, balancing the natural and the spiritual by declaring, He has told you, O man, O woman, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Except to be just, do the right thing and to love, and to diligently practice kindness, compassion, and to walk humbly with your God, setting aside any overblown sense of importance or self-righteousness. Peter further equips us for life in the middle, the balance of the natural and the spiritual. In 1 Peter 1 and 13, where God instructs us to prepare your hearts and minds for action. Stay alert. Fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. For when Jesus Christ is unveiled, a greater measure of grace will be released to you. We've learned that grace is the power and equipment for ministry. So when Jesus Christ is unveiled and he's unveiled day by day in our lives, when we've been crucified with Christ, where Paul says, nevertheless, I live yet not I, but it's the Christ that lives in me who loved me and gave himself for me. When Jesus Christ is unveiled because we've been crucified with Christ, he's unveiled, he's revealed day by day, and a greater measure of grace is, re is released to us. And that's why Paul said, and God's grace is sufficient for me. <laughs> Glory to God. To prepare simply means to make yourself ready. And in this case, specifically, making your heart, character, the heart of your character, which is the character of God, what and who has made you as you are. Many of you will remember the 1994 movie, The Lion King, where young Simba, after the death of his father, Mufasa, Mufasa appears to his son Simba and says, remember who you are. Prepare your heart and mind for action every day by remembering who you are and who made you who you are. Remember who you are day by day, hour by hour, through the good, the bad, and the ugly. Have your mind ready for the necessary actions to stay alert, awake, and aware for life in the middle, balancing the natural and the spiritual. The modern English version of 1 Peter 1 and 13 states, therefore, guard your minds. Put a sentry, put a sentry at the gateway of your heart. Be sober 
and hope to the end for the grace, the power and equipment for ministry and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Christ is further what gospel recording artist Anthony Brown declared when he released a song speaking of the marvelous grace of God that said, you thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping. So you cleaned me up inside. You thought I was to die for. So you sacrificed your life so I could be free, so I could be whole, so I could tell everyone I know. You thought, God, I was worth saving. You see, this is the testimony of a man or a woman that has learned to live life in the middle, balancing the natural and the mirror and the spiritual. This is the testimony of a man or woman that believed they were worth saving even in the midst of sin and God changed their life. This is the testimony of a man or woman that personifies Revelation 12 and 11. They overcame him, the adversary, the accuser, the roaring lion, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. We overcome him, the devil himself, by proclaiming the word of God and by continuing to confess the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And this, my brothers and sisters, is how we live life in the middle, balancing the natural and the spiritual.